Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 168 of the Quickie Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and thanks so much for spending some time here. My guest today is James Martin. He is the founder of Baby Giant Design Co. out of the UK. He's been at Baby Giant for over eight years now, and it was really an arts foundation year that he took where he was really introduced to what graphic design was, and it just ticked all the boxes for him. We also talk about the design movement that was very influential to him. He also gets into a printed lookbook story that he created and why that was so important, and it was for his business, for himself. And he tells us what he benefited from by putting that together. We also get into the startup struggle and challenges of Baby Giant and how he overcame them and sort of ended up building a routine out of it. Now, James also tells us a story about a job he took on despite some customer flakiness at the beginning. You know, some of those flags tells us what happened, how it all ended. Did it end? You'll have to listen. We also get into what his favorite project of 2019 was, why, and what the message of it is. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get right to this one. My wonderful guest, Mr. James Martin. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? James Martin, welcome to the Quickie Podcast, sir. Uh Thank you very much for having me. Are you ready for a Quickie? I am always ready for a quickie. Fantastic. So let's start with the tough stuff. Briefly <laughs> tell the listeners about yourself. Um, so I am a uh, graphic designer based on the south coast of the UK. Um, a lot of you will know me for logo work and through my Instagram account made by James. Um, yeah, just a general general creative, I like to call myself. I like it. And how long have you had Baby Giant Design Co. going for? Uh, Baby Giant's been, we've just done year eight books last year. So yeah, we've been running for eight years, but it's been something I've always kind of wanted to explore, you know, having worked in other agencies and seeing how they work. I've always wanted to kind of run off and do my own thing. And yeah, so we're eight years strong now, which is great. Perfect. So eight years at Baby Giant, and you already sort of alluded to it a little bit, but what were you doing before you went full-time with Baby Giant? Uh, What was I doing before? I was actually working, I was actually, so if we go way back, it would have been college and uni, and then during uni, I jumped into a junior designer position um, at a local agency near where I live, um, where, you know, I did a plethora of um, different activities from you know, web, print, um, branding, mm-hmm. photography, you know, but that when you're kind of chucked in the deep end as a youngster, you're basically told to do everything. Um, and you do nothing particularly well, but you get to learn a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, right? 
So yeah. it was, uh, did you go right from that sort of junior designer position into Baby Giant or did you kind of step around the agency world a little bit? Yeah, so the agency wasn't a massive agency. So I stayed with the same agency for six years. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, so they had a lot of lot of different, I mean, it was really exciting for me because, you know, at uni, you know, I learned so much, but, you know, I learned more in six weeks of being in an active agency than I did in three years of being at uni. Um, kind of really opens your eyes to the ins and outs of how it runs. And as I said, I got to do a whole load of different things, which kept me interested. But, um, yeah, it just kind of got to a stage where, um, you know, you kind of have this gut feeling where you need to move on and, you know, things were getting a bit stale and it was kind of one of those, one of those kind of, what do you call them? Not, I wouldn't, I don't like to call them life moments, but mm-hmm. you know, they're kind of, they're kind of like that, you know, where you kind of go, well, I can either go into a different agency now or I can start my own. Um, so yeah, I thought now's the right time. So yeah. And as I said, that's where eight years, eight years good now. So that is, that's lovely jubbly. Nice move, man. So I'm going to kick it back even further than that. And James, I want to hear about your childhood and what your childhood was like. Do you feel that you had a creative childhood that sort of pointed you in this career direction? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I was never particularly bright. Um, I was always, <laughs> I was always on the, you know, the sportier side and the creative side. Um, but, you know, when I was growing up, it wasn't, you know, there wasn't any opportunity, not necessarily opportunities. Like my first art teacher, for example, said, you'll never make any money out of art. You know, it was that kind of, you have to go into being a doctor or a lawyer or some sort of scientist. Um, mm-hmm. But so, yeah, I mean, way, way back, you know, I've been drawing on walls from the age of two or three, you know, annoying my ma and pa, um, you know, and went straight. I used to copy, um you know, comic books, you know, until I could get them perfect. It's not that I ever did, but, you know, in my mind as a five, six, seven, eight, nine-year-old, you know, constantly drawing. Um, mm-hmm. And then obviously all the way through school, as I get, as I said, not very bright, always sat at the back. But when it came to sketching or painting or sculpture, it was something that I was always looking forward to. I think that's the way to put it. So the visual arts always sort of, or tangible arts, I guess you could say, were always something that really interested you. Oh, yeah, very much so. Yeah, anything practical, anything that, um, you know, anything that didn't really involve learning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I suppose, <laughs> I I suppose the nicest possible yeah. way. Not an academic person, much yes, like myself. That's, that's, exactly, that's exactly it, mate. So did you have a relative or your mom or dad or somebody who was a designer or in that world that sort of encouraged you along or showed you the way or what really flicked the graphic design switch for you? Um, oof, um, good question. I mean, I never, my, my mom and dad aren't particularly um, creative. You know, my brother's not particularly creative, but I suppose from like your peers and your social groups at school, you kind of you know, being the arty, you know, the arty dumb one, <laughs> you kind of get bungled into a group, don't you? So, um, you know, a lot of my friends were kind of creative. And um, I suppose the the thing that really led me into the design or the graphic design world was um, when I went, to, I did an art foundation at college, mm-hmm. which is basically, for the people who don't know, it's basically where you do a, a year's worth of creative stuff before you go into like a 
um, a degree or a diploma or anything like that, but you basically do sculpture, fine art, um, you know, basically all of the um, the kind of creative aspects, I suppose you'd call them. So it like gives uh, you a chance to like taste each kind of different design or arts career path that you could choose yeah exactly that so yeah you do it like a half a term of sculpture half a half a term of fine art half a term of graphic design and you know you do you do a whole load of different bits and bobs um and i always wanted to be a fine artist um that was always my that was always where i was in my brain Mm -hmm. um but obviously after that year ends you kind of go and speak to your tutor and they they kind of lead you based on their expertise of, you know, where they feel you may be best suited or your style may be best suited. And because I had a, you know, I loved art, but it was always very clinical. I think that goes back to, you know, copying sketch, um, like um, comic books, you know, trying to make mm-hmm. all the lines right. And I've always been a big fan of architecture and stuff. And yeah, he said, due to your, your style, I think graphic design would be a, you know, because it's that kind of nice, balance between yeah art you know clean precision and creativity um so yeah he kind of pushed me in that direction and haven't looked back in all honesty Mm -hmm. so you sort of introduced you to you know what graphic design was and it sort of ticked all the boxes of things that you were interested in and wanted to do yeah yeah very much so yeah very much so really it was something that again i hadn't really heard about you know at that age I wasn't really looking for anything I was still you know trying to figure out who I am let alone what I want to do mm-hmm. uh, you know to be fair I'm still trying to figure out who I am <laughs> I think <laughs> totally. that'll be a, a, ne- a never-ending journey um, but yes yeah, I suppose it was just one of those things that you know as soon as you know you know you know like with anything in life as soon as you kind of start to get it you, it starts to all make sense and it's something that kind of you know I, I really loved how you know, you could, um, you know, teach you not necessarily te- teach the wrong word, but you could explain stuff visually. And I thought that I thought that was quite an, you know, powerful thing that you can do. You don't have to say anything, but visually you can teach people and show them on a journey, and it mm-hmm. just through like clever details. And it's something that, you know, I suddenly just got really absorbed in and just just drew and drew and drew. And I think obviously coming from that fine art background and then learning the basics of design you know once I kind of found the happy middle ground between the two Mm -hmm. um you know controlling the creativity I suppose is the best thing um yeah so yeah it's just one of those things that yeah I I love it to pieces it's it's my life it's my life (laughs) (laughs) I love it it's a Bon Jovi song right is it I think it is (laughs) Um, so James what stands out to you as the most influential design of your life so far something that you saw and has just stuck with you uh I think that would again take me back to school it won't it's not a particular piece of design I've done or I've seen but it's more of a more of a movement um and it's actually something I learnt and did a project on at school, which was the Bauhaus movement. Okay. Um, which is basically a school. Yeah, to give you the short version, it's a school in Germany mm-hmm. uh, started up by a chap called Walter Gropius, um, where he basically allowed the fusion of art and design to come together to create stuff. Um, and that was especially where my head was. 
you know, that kind of the arty creativity craziness and then Definitely. the control of the design. And eventually he kind of brought architecture into the school. But it's something that's always been quite a powerful, you know, go, you know, I've got many books on it. It's a, just a powerful go-to asset for me because it's probably another thing that really kick-started my, you know, emotional attachment to, to design as a whole, I think. So, yeah, the Bauhaus movement. Everybody check it out. It's well worth it. I like it. <clears throat> so, James, you know, you've been dabbling around in the Instagram world. You've been sharing your work. You're getting feedback on your work. Now, I want to know who designers and brands are that you look up to and closely follow. What about them do you like? Okie dokie. Uh, there's many. <laughs> um, yes. But um, if I if I had to narrow it down, I mean, I mean, Instagram is is great. You know, you don't have to be. Um, I mean, you'd be silly not to be inspired by the many humans that are on there. Um, but if it was brand agency wise, I mean, there's a couple there's a couple of dudes or teams that I've followed for a long time now. One of them would be uh, Lincoln Design Co. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one would be a company quite close to me, actually, called I Love Dust. They're just down the road. Uh, but they're all over the world now, I think. Um, but the reason I would choose them is purely because they always seem to have this um, don't-care attitude, but they really do care. You know, they're not ruled by rules. You know, they create their own rules. And you can always tell by, I feel, you know, an individual or a team, you know, how much they love their work by the work that they put out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think those two for me are really, you know, they're the ones that stand out. But, you know, also, you know, you know, I've, I'm influenced by many things like, you know, tattoo art, graffiti, uh, illustration, lettering, you know, typography. You know, I, th- I don't think it's something that you should you know, restrict. You know, if you're a logo designer, you know, don't just look at logo designers, look at everything you know i think you can grab influences from anywhere um but to answer your question because i know we need to keep this short and it's a quickie you know link i would say <laughs> lincoln design co and i love dust for me they're pretty cool Very nice cool. they definitely have come up a couple of times on the show before and the way that you describe them you know they have that sort of vibe where it's like i don't care if you like it this is what we did but at the same time you know they care because it delivered for their client it delivered oh, exactly yeah. what their client was going for so i totally yeah. get what you're saying with that um james i want to ask you a little bit about print and packaging and hear how you have utilized print and print design in your career um any stories around that that you could share with us uh so i mean i i love print i mean i don't think print will ever die well mm-hmm. I, I don't think good print will ever die mm-hmm. um and if anything is it's going to come back and it, it, i think it's even coming back now um within the industry you know a good effective piece of uh print marketing can can do very well and it's something that we actually did last year uh, at baby giant um we created a um, a really cool, um, what you would call a lookbook. So I suppose it's like a printed portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we we didn't sell them or anything. We basically just took them to client meetings, um, chucked a couple in the post to, 
you know, other agencies or, you know, so other people in the marketing space that might need our expertise. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, they've, they've, they've been, they've done a wonderful job. Um, you know, good print isn't cheap. Um, but I think what it's, what it's actually, I mean, it's more than, more than paid for itself. Um, because I think, you know, especially giving them at meetings and, you know, people getting them in the post, I think it adds an extra dynamic you know people are so transfixed by phones and web and <clears throat> all these digital you know online assets mm-hmm. i should say that when they get something tangible and they can feel the amount of work that's gone into it and then they you know then they think well hopefully he's going to work this hard for me and, you know they, they do take a long time to put together and you know even you know choosing papers and foils and finishes and all this mm. kind of stuff to make sure the experience is perfect um you know is a, is a lot of work but well worth it i mean i would you know i would you know urge any young designer for sure to get you know go up, go up a level and put a little printed portfolio really nice one together and send it out to prospective um agencies they want to work to because mm-hmm. it will I mean, people get a lot of rubbish in the post, and when they don't get something that's rubbish, they keep it. Definitely. So I'm curious now, when you created that printed lookbook, um, two quick questions. One, what was the reason that you did that? And two, what what was your sort of ROI on that? What did you get out of that? What have been the benefits of creating that and sending that out? Yeah, well, so what was the first question? I forgot. <laughs> yeah, no worries. What was, the, what was the purpose? Why did you decide to create a printed version of it instead of like so what, a PDF? Yeah. So, I mean, again, it goes back to my love of print. You know, um, I think it's a, you know, really interesting um, thing to work with paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I absolutely love it. It's, it's just something... I, I don't know why, but it was one of those things where you wake up and you think we need to do this. Uh, <laughs> you know, yes. there was no real strategy apart from an internal love for print and thinking that it might, you know, be a cool way of a cool thing to give our clients when we go to meetings. It could be a, a differentiator between us and somebody else getting the work. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if our work was just as good as somebody else's, but we left them a really nice, expensive book. We, we were going to get the work mm-hmm. um, because, you know, a lot of people do like, do like print. I said, there's that tangible emotional feel you get with something, 100%. you know, the smell of it, you know, there's, you know, all this, all the, there's so many different emotions that come out when you're, when you're working and, you know, reading something as, as opposed to listening or just looking at it, if that mm-hmm. makes sense online. No, I couldn't agree uh, more. And the ROI, I remembered your question. <laughs> Just, <laughs> my brain is very slow. I do apologize. Um, but yeah, I would say, so in total, it cost us about £6,000 to get 50 printed. Yeah. Um, and from that, we've probably done 10 times that in work. Amazing. Directly out, directly out of um, the book. Amazing. Uh, and we can tell that because people have gone, we saw your book. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, so it's because also I mean the agency you give it to or the person you give it to, I mean they all know x amount of people and pass x amount of people in their lives and if they go oh you know what's happened a few times is somebody we've given it to has actually handed it to somebody else and said go and chat to these guys. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a great little passer honor. 
Passerona. Yeah, that's amazing. And because it stands out, you know, it, in this digital world, it's so easy to send an email with a PDF, send 50 of them in a day. But yeah, I mean, the, the, amount, of, the amount of people I get um, sending me, can you look at my, yeah, as you say, PDF or it's just, I mean, it just happens. Every, that's what everybody does. Mm-hmm. And it's quite difficult to get excited by those emails so you know, by, look, people looking for job experience or anything like that or work experience i should say um so yeah just try and yeah i mean i would even if it's a really good quality business card i love a good quality business card <laughs> yeah a lot of people do and the idea of you know doing something tangible is it's so easy for somebody to just delete an email or open it oh, not interested and move on like in less than a second but if something tangible like a book or a clever postcard or a clever business card or something lands on their desk and is in their hands, the difference between four and a half milliseconds in an email to even 20 seconds that they spend with your product, your brand in their hands interacting with it, the likelihood of a contact, a sale, a potential mentor, like whatever goes up dramatically. It's just the way to stand out. It's incredible. Yeah, it's, uh, it's as I said. I mean, I don't think good print and well executed print will ever die. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm totally with you, mate. Yeah, it needs to it needs to be long. May it live. Long may it live. Mm-hmm. All right, James. The next couple of questions I have for you take you down part of your career where you've likely made some mistakes, learned some lessons, and I want to pull those stories out of you. Sure thing. <laughs> so what has been the most challenging time or period in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Uh, so the most challenging part would be the early stages of starting up Baby Giant for mm-hmm. sure. Um, purely, obviously, the unknown is always very daunting. Um, you go from, I mean, the reason why it was so difficult is because you go from a designer in the safety of an agency to then becoming an accountant, a marketer, you know, a financial advisor, um, mm-hmm. you know, you basically have to wear, wear, wear many hats. Um, I think it's the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was quite tough. Um, as I said, just because of you spend very little time designing and a lot of time trying to figure out, when you can design and but you've also got to get the work in to be able to design it and keep people happy and customer liaison and all the rest of it so yes that was quite tough starting out um and obviously the lack of you know the lack of money that comes in when you first go by yourself and start an agency you know you've got to battle with you know staying afloat Mm -hmm. (laughs) i suppose um and the way the way that that was done was purely by patience um you know we, we spent almost you know two years making nothing uh, well not making nothing making enough to live but not really making enough to make it worthwhile mm-hmm. uh, so you know i ended up you know doing you know a load of free work for people just to kind of keep busy you know i was always taught you know always be always be working whenever people are working mm-hmm. uh, that's also that's also good for the psyche and good for the routine. So you know, get up at the right time and 
you know, start work when most people start work and finish work when most people finish work. I mean, that's difficult now because I work with people in Australia. Um, so that's, I'll be working, <laughs> I'll be working all the time. But you know what I mean? Just kind of getting you into a routine. I think that really Definitely. helped kind of get over those challenges because, you know, whether it was my own work or free work I was doing, I was still doing a working day. Um, and I, I said that free work really helped because, you know, you know, I've been, I'm still working with a client now that we did some free work for in the beginning. And, you know, we're eight years down the line and they've given us a lot of money over those eight years. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it was just about just keeping motivated and being patient and knowing that it was something I really wanted to do. Help me kind of get through those. Um, I want to give up days. If Definitely. No, it yeah. absolutely makes sense. You know, I've heard when you go out on your own, when you start freelance, you know, just keep creating. But I love how you added in the, you know, be working while other people are working, you know, time zone specific, usually. Yeah, yeah, be working. And you know, the benefit of that is it helps you build that routine so that as you get busier, as you get more business, you're not fighting to get yourself out of bed at 10 o'clock so you can get some work done. You know, you're yeah, exactly. and then being tired at, then being tired at midday because you've done two and a half hours. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Yeah, routine's very important for the important for the brain for mm-hmm. sure. So now, James, I want to get a bit more specific. Um, I want you now to take us to a design or a project, a specific one that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. What was that like? How did that feel? Can you take us to that story? Yeah, I mean, I won't name the client because nope, it will nope. mean nothing. But um, yeah, I mean, I've had I had one this year actually. Um, that I mean, the thing is with you know with clients is you know you don't know what they are going to be like until the process starts. Mm-hmm. So that's you know you can't. I mean, obviously you can have a phone call prior. You can have a email conversation prior, but you never really understand how somebody's going to work until you're working with them until you're in it. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, not everybody can get on with everybody, but as I say, like this, this one, uh, this one project this year, it was, you know, I, there were a lot of signs where it was all a bit flaky, you know, I, so I got an email at the beginning of the year saying, I really want to work, but I need it quick. And I was like, you know, I'm busy, but you know, I can try and fit it in. And then then I'd hear nothing for a couple of months, you know, and then he'd come back, and I was like, oh, okay, well, you're back again. But, you know, obviously, <laughs> you need to pay a deposit, you know, because I'm, you know, I'm, the one big thing is I never like, you know, turning away work. I think mm-hmm. you know, it's one thing that, you know, probably is a bit of a detriment sometimes and why I don't sleep many hours because I can, I, ne- I never want to turn away work. That's mm-hmm. something my dad said, you know, at the end of the day, while people are willing to give you, mo- willing to give you money, take it. Because mm-hmm. there will be one day where they don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> so take it all Good as point. you can. But sorry, back onto the story. Um, yeah. So basically, so I did a load of designs for him, um, sent him o- sent them over, and had absolutely nothing for three months. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, you know, I don't have time to chase people or anything like that. So basically, within my T's and C's, it says, you know, if after sixty days, um, I haven't heard from you, it's, you know, I have the right to cancel the project you know because i'm now i've now moved on to something else and all the rest of it uh so yeah basically he came back to me after i think it was 93 days mm-hmm. demanding that i'd finish it in a week um and all this stuff and all i did was i offered him all of his money back 
Um, and I haven't heard from him since. Oh. <laughs> so I've got my deposit. He hasn't got any work by the looks of it. Well, he's got what I've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's just so typical of that, of the man himself, who I won't name, and the project. It's just one of those ones that, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you know, three months later after not hearing from him, and you see an email and you think, oh, God, here we go again. Mm-hmm. Like this massive roller coaster of, I need it now, then nothing. I need it now, then nothing. Um, so, yeah, that was a particularly draining exercise because it's basically been a whole year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, only about a week's worth of work. But I've had to deal with that. So, um, but you know, as, as I said, like with everything, you know, you don't know you don't know the person until you're working with them. And mm. sometimes at that time, it's too late. But you know, I've always said, you know, no money in the world is worth working with wankers. Excuse my French. So, <laughs> so um, I always, you know, luckily it never happens. You know, what happens? Yeah, it happens every now and again, like it has happened this time. So I just go, look, you can have your money back. Just don't email me again. Um, you know, because I said no money is worth sleepless nights and, you know, you know, because you've got to think of all the other stuff you've got to be getting on with. <laughs> totally. No, nope. well yeah. said. Um, so what is something that you're struggling with in your design career right now? Saying no to work. Mm, yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the biggest, the biggest one for me, for sure. I said always, what you know, I, you know, I work long hours, long days, you know, working with people all around the planet, you know, you're kind of working to different time zones and, you know, when your brain's finishing at the end of the day, UK, you know, it's waking up in, you know, America and then it's, you know, just about to start, you know, in, um, you know, Australia or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, the biggest thing for me is saying no, um, which I'm starting starting to do. You know, for example, I'm not taking any more projects this year. You know, I've kind of got people now booked in for like mid-February, March next year. Nice. Um, so yeah, that, that's really good. But it's also, yeah, but yeah, saying no, you know, because I said, I said that I wasn't going to take any more projects in the middle of November, but I've taken on another four or five since then. Um, <laughs> so it's just, but you know, I, I just love, I mean, it's weird, but I love working. You know, yeah. I've, you know, I love, I love doing the work. I mean, one day, one day there will be a day where, you know, I could start up a YouTube channel never work with another client in my life, um, probably do okay, you know, with tutorials and whatever, Skillshare or whatever like that. Um, but I love working with clients. I've met mm-hmm. some brilliant humans, worked with some, you know, on a, some amazing projects that, you know, could potentially change the world and change people's lives. And I, you know, when, especially when those kind of types of jobs come along, I, I can't say no. I can't say no. So yeah, that's something that I do struggle with is um, turning away people. Mm-hmm. Nope, I hear you there. <laughs> okay, James, I'm going to turn this bus around here for you. Um, tell us about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of. One that just makes your heart sing. One that makes my heart. Well, I mean, I, I say it is kind of like asking me to choose between my two dogs and what's my favorite or you know getting <laughs> asking somebody to choose between their children yep. you know because I put, I put all the all the same amount of effort into every single one of them um but I mean there's I mean there's a massive movement and something I'm you know very keen on as well you know plastic you know plastic free world and uh-huh. you know so for me I mean one of my favorite projects this year I mean I've done loads but this if, if I had to choose one 
Um, it would be a project that I've recently done called Plastic Freedom, purely because of, you know, the message it's sending. Um, and also the person behind it, a lady called Beth. I mean, she's very, very motivated young woman who's trying to do a lot of good um, and being able to help her, you know, in some respect visually to kind of give her a brand identity and logo and all the rest of it was you know, it was something that, you know, and seeing her do very well, which she is at the moment, is quite, is quite cool to be a part of that because it's, mm-hmm. you know, work for good, you know, designed for good. I think that's that's where I that's where I kind of, you know, really kind of you think, oh, yeah, that's she's she's doing good. And I was a little part of that. So that's yeah, that's probably the one project that you make because you made me choose one that would yep, be the I one that you. <laughs> you did apologies to all my other clients but yeah that would be one that you know it was a fun project ended up cool um and yeah the kind of impact that it could possibly have on the planet um is a is an added bonus awesome the plastic free you know in the packaging space you see that a lot right where you know plastic trays and little plastic um pieces of the packaging being replaced yeah. by paperboard or other recyclable, more environmentally friendly substrates. Oh, 100%. I mean, mm. it's, it's, I mean, it's crazy. Some of the, I mean, yeah, I'm not, again, I'm not going to name anybody cause I don't want to get sued, but you know, <laughs> yeah, they can be, um, you know, some, some companies, you know, wrap plastic in plastic, yep. you know, it's, 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 it's absolutely crazy, but mm. you know, people are becoming more knowledgeable, generations will change you know our generation will be a lot better but you know our kids and our kids kids will be a lot better than us so um that's for sure let's just hope it's not too late (laughs) james you've reached the point of the show for the ask it forward question so i have a question for you from my last guest and you get the opportunity to ask a question of my next guest i'm not going to tell you who they are you can ask them anything. So, so I could arrest them on yeah. Instagram or something if it was a rubbish question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my last guest was Ron Burridge. He's the senior director, head of design for PepsiCo Beverages North America. Sweet. Yep. He's been through some Disney, some Hershey's, now with PepsiCo. So he's been in the game a while. And I'm not gonna, I'm not lying to you. This is his question. I had no input on this whatsoever. Oh, but I'm his scared. question that he'd like to ask you is, what would you have done differently to prepare for the Quickie Podcast? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what would I have done differently? I mean, that is a horrible question. Um, <laughs> um, probably had a shave, like I was saying, because my <laughs> microphone keeps scratching on, my, on the microphone. I mean, if I had to give you a quick Quickie answer, that would be it. Have a shave so I don't have to hold this microphone away from my face. James, I am like, I, that feels so good to hear you say that. I'm sure you've been working on that beard for months and months. And yeah, you're years, willing, mate. Years, years. You're willing to look, just look, look, shave people, it for me. Yeah, most people can grow this in a month. This has taken me 10 years. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, James, what is the question you would like me to ask the next guest? I have, I've, I give this one to a lot of people actually, just randomly when we're at the pub and stuff drinking. Um, but it would be, if you had to come back as one animal in your next life, what would it be and why? Nice. I like that. Yeah. One. I like it. It makes people think. It's quite exciting. Perfect. James. What animal, what animal would you be? Me? Oh yeah. my gosh. 
it's tough answering the question, isn't it's it? It's tough because there's so many different directions to go with it, right? I'll tell you, you have a think about it. With your next guest, you can um, you can discuss it okay. and I'll listen to it. Okay. Now, when I answer, yeah, when they answer, I'll give my answer the same one. I'll have to think about it. Sweet. Perfect. James, you've reached the end of the Quickie Podcast. Thank you so much for your time on the show today. I really appreciate it. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. You have a good one. All right. That's the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your time. And if you like what you're hearing, head over to iTunes and leave me a rating and a review. I'd really appreciate it. And they make me feel happy. Happiness. Thanks again. And we'll see you tomorrow. Bye.